0: Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now, here's John and Tex.
1: Hey, Power Athlete Nation. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the funniest podcast. This is Strength and Conditioning. Of Strength and Conditioning, Power Athlete Radio, oh, I like where that not shot. only humor, Tact, timing, and Another T. An- <laughs> you got another one? Tube- <laughs> tubins? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> ah, a little bit of backstory. So now when we do our Zoom calls, uh, there's like a annoying Chauncey voice that comes through and it's like, this podcast, or uh, this, uh, what is it? This- Zoom call? Yeah, this Zoom call is being recorded and it just started popping up out of nowhere. So I asked Tex, I'm like, hey, when did this happen? He's like, oh, it's the Tubin rule. So, uh, Not unfamiliar- the Tubin rule, the Tubin rule. Yeah, the Tubin rule. What did I say, roll? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I was a little nervous on that one. Uh, so I had never heard of the Tubin rule and come to find out that there was a guy who was on a Zoom call from CNN.
0: Well, now he's on CNN and had to do like an apology tour. It was weird. I forget what his actual
1: job was. But like they were on a Zoom call and he yeah. thought that he was muted and maybe his <laughs> camera, light camera off. was off. And so what does he do? He just pulls it out and just gives himself a little rub and tug. And uh, as <laughs> the people on the call are watching this guy crank it. And uh I can't imagine I, It's so oh, it's, it's so uh fantastic and like almost like made up that you're like, there's no fucking way this is like a movie. This is like a, a Kevin uh, Smith movie. Uh, this 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 reminds me of something about Mary when he has like the uh the cum in his hair and she like takes it and like Wait, it was the, on his ear. Yeah. Oh on, is that hair I, gel? Yeah. Uh-huh. That like <laughs> her hair's all stuck up. Uh Probably nobody could have imagined this. I mean, the fact that that got written in. So then, what happened? He gets outed. I mean, can you see the outrage? And because he's muted, people are like, "Oh!" And he's like, oh. "Is he muted?" Like, or I, see, I don't know. I didn't read the full story.
0: I don't care. But like, was he muted? And was a video? Was a video with mute? And then some people are like, "What the fuck?"
1: He probably muted it and then uh, forgot to know, turn off the video. And then forgot to turn off the video. But do you think somebody at some point was like, hey, we can see you. And he was like, what? Or he just was so locked in on whatever he was watching that he was.
0: Well, I'm sure the screen was minimized. I'm surprised we're spending this much time talking about it. But like, imagine this is your big meeting. You pulled this whole thing together for this company <laughs> and this fucking jerk off. Yeah, no, does uh, this. literally the jerk
1: off. And uh, he's over there just giving an office uh, zoom crank. And uh, like, oh, the old Z. <laughs> ZC. <laughs> the ZJ? Nah, it's a ZC. It's, uh, it's what Tubin did. So, uh, not to belabor this point, um, you know, that, this is actually why when we do uh, video podcasts, we ask the, the, the guests to turn on their video because I think we were always nervous about it. either people were drooling or. Well,
0: especially Carl joining us today.
1: So <laughs> you remember, uh, I did that, um, saying, that like meet RX podcast, uh, with Sean Baker and another dude, uh, that's, he's like the, the carnivore guy. Right. So I was on his podcast and he would ask me a question and then he would mute and then I could see him turn and he started typing. So he was basically, while I was on the podcast, he was working on another computer and it was like the most awkward thing. Cause I'm like watching this dude. And as he's talking, he'd like like I'd see him like unmute, ask the question, remute, and then turn to like a completely different screen. So I'd see the side, and he was over there. I could see his fingers moving, and so at that point, I just fucking pissed all over his podcast and just took control of it. That sounds about right. Well, I like I was <laughs> like, dude, if you're gonna invite me on the podcast, at least have the common decency to have a conversation. Just don't fucking like. And I was like, man, this is a, a bad experience. It's,
0: I'm quickly reminded of Wayne's World two. When they go to the radio show to hump, uh, pump, not hump, pump their uh, Wayne's Wayne stock, and then he's just not even paying attention. They're like, <laughs> "You're not even paying attention to us." Uh-huh. Uh huh. So we can say whatever we want. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're uh and I, man, I'm I'm losing what it was, yeah, but it's no, just it's, they start making fun of him. Yeah, and he's like, uh huh. Yeah, that was pretty uh-uh. much
1: what happened. And uh, so, long story short, and we'll, before we move on to this podcast, one. Uh, don't crank it on Zoom calls. No, no ZCs. Yeah, no ZCs. And if you're going to do a podcast, be engaged with your uh, the person you've invited who's taking time out of their busy day and their busy schedules to come on your podcast. At least have the courtesy and the wherewithal to engage them in conversation and just not fucking treat it like well, we got to get this podcast up,
0: Carl. Good to see you.
1: Hey. Hey, Carl Case. Sorry, I, I, I didn't see you there yeah. for a second. No, no. so we, we've been joined by our good friend, Carl Case, who we are bringing on to help us answer one of these amazing questions we get from the hotline. Uh-huh. So for those of you who have been living under a rock or at 10,000 feet under the sea with uh, John Sapolsky, if you don't know that podcast, we had uh, Dr. John Sapolsky, oh, yeah. marine biologist on. Dirt, Joe, dirt, Joe, dirt. No, that was uh, Joe Dirtay, but uh, Sapolsky. Don't try to
0: finch, French it up, John.
1: Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah no, John that was my to... pal. Fuck, I, I'm yeah, all, yeah I'm it all was your buddy from fucking Hong Kong? That's your guy. <laughs> and, and what's amazing is now we're uh, we're buddies, and he tags me all the time on Instagram and crazy shit. Yeah, no, he's a great dude. He's strong as fuck. Oh, I believe it. He's the strongest uh, marine biologist PhD on the planet in Hong Kong. Can I be the on the planet in Hong Kong? Who knows? Flat Earth, yeah. Uh, so we have this thing called the podcast. If you've been living under a rock, Power Athlete Radio has a hotline where you can call in and leave questions or comments or just talk about how wonderful this is with reviews. So that podcast, or sorry, that hotline, 929-464-464-0, 929-ing-ing, zero. yeah. So reach out, leave us a question, and we are going to go to the hotline right now Uh to pull up this banger of a question that we have. So we invited Carl to come on and help us answer it. Yes, and
0: And Carl's the perfect coach to do so because he sent uh, a, Over a dozen athletes to the college level from his tutelage as a sport coach and strength coach. Carl, you ready? All right. Do it. We'll give it a listen. Hello, I was curious if you uh, had any tips or recommendations for a first-year athlete um, checking in for college sports. Um, Based off of past experience, um, maybe you could give them some. uh, tips that will help them to be a little bit
1: more successful in that transition from high school sports to expectations at a college level. Um, and thanks a bunch for the consideration.
0: I have a nephew um, that I'm super proud of, and it's his first day at football, and I really just want him to kick ass and take names. And I just, you know, I know that there's experience that's out there, that he can glean from and i'd love to send him some podcasts to listen to to be inspired by and i'm hoping you guys can cover this topic one time thanks a bunch
1: Excellent.
0: Uh, i'll lead off here yeah. the uh... that that first day he has done a lot to put himself in a position to already find success and when it came to uh... recruiting for division three college or having pre-season meetings with kids again lacrosse is a spring sport so we got the fall like football you got to hit the ground running sure. but always looked for those freshmen just a an attitude there's certain kids that were looking to start to just they didn't care they were winners they wanted to to have an impact on the team immediately and then they're you know meaty like medium level kids and then there was kids they were always nervous that they were going to get cut in the fall ball and it's like man you you are here if you're a middle middle of the road kid, awesome, we can develop you. If you're a rock star, we're gonna find a place for you on the field because you got that swagger. But those kids that were looking, just scared to make not make the team, they already put themselves in a position to do so. Almost for this kid, fast advice: fake it to fake it till you feel it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it. Uh, the one thing that is difficult to coach is effort. Um, I think if uh, you know your nephew or you know is invited to be there. Uh, he's obviously shown some form of promise. Coaches just don't randomly, you know, bring kids in. Nope. So if he's there, he's uh, shown the promise. They're expecting to see, uh, you know, a, a good showing. And so I think for him showing up, he has kind of uh, two directions to go. You can either kind of take a more passive approach or approach and realize, like, hey, I'm going to give myself a little bit of time to mature into this. Or you go in at 100 miles an hour and you try to prove that you're the exact kid they brought in. I know um, – you know, being a scholarship player coming in, I knew they weren't going to cut us because we had scholarships. Uh, but I remember just feeling really undersized. Uh, you know, I, like I said, when I went to college, I didn't own a razor. And all the, I show up and these dudes have like full chest hair and beards. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, these guys have beards. Like, I don't even own a razor. I've never even shaved. Uh, but Grow mustache already. But then my roommate, on the <laughs> other hand, had had like a full beard since he was like 13. And he was like 6'5", 300 pounds. He was huge. And he had, like, a full beard at, like, we showed up. And I'm like, man, all these dudes are just way more mature than me. And it took me a year of, like, lifting weights and growing to be able to come in and start in my second year. But, yeah, I remember that first year just being like, I still want to get killed. You know, my voice is still cracking. So um, I think that's, like, a maturation deal. Like, is he pretty mature? Is he pretty far along? Is he Does he have a physical age that's better than maybe his chronologic age? And more importantly, um, you know, what's his mindset? Is uh-huh. he... Um, is he looking at this like, hey, I'm going to come in here and start day one? Or is he just thinking like, hey, I'm going to come in here and learn as much as I can and maybe contribute a little later down the road?
0: Carl, do you remember the first athlete that you sent off to then be at, at the college level? Do you remember any advice you gave him and then reflected on and changed for the next few?
2: Um, so for the first one, yeah, I was a rugby player. I sent him to a, a Davenport College up in Michigan. And the one thing that I talked to him about and I've heard from other athletes have played at the collegiate level, is they mentioned, just how much um, it seemed like a job at the next level. It was, there's a higher level of expectation and seriousness, a schedule you have to adhere to that's a lot different than the high school um, one. So, what I encouraged them to do was really understand why are you going to play, in this case, rugby, in the football, football player or something. Why are you in college to play football? and if it's like all oh, i just want to say that i was a collegiate football player then i don't think that's enough to suffice you to get you through the hard times of the am weight sessions the film sessions the long practices on top of that having to be a student athlete so i would i encourage them to just go through Simon Senex, right start with why and really dig down and figure out why you're there because that's what's going to motivate you and take you through all those hard times and I would encourage them to write that down somewhere somewhere they can see on a regular basis and then every week or two try to maybe hone that message in a little bit more a little bit more and see you have something that's concrete and meaningful because it's a long it's a long season, it's a long off season. Like I said, and being a student athlete on top of that is a lot to do.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh it's a full time job. Uh-huh. I, mean, I I always think um, you know college would have been College was a great experience, especially playing football. College would have been a complete kick-ass experience without playing sports, just for the mere fact that, like you know, uh, every afternoon, uh, you know, like during the fall, like being able to go to games and get involved. So, I think if you're just going looking for a great college experience, um, I don't know if playing sports is the best experience, unless it's D three. Well, unless it's D three and you have a fucking great time, but playing Division one, it's it's stressful. I mean, there's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the practice is one thing and training camp and all that, but then all like the academic stuff, I mean, study halls, uh, academic advisors, and all the uh, other stuff that they do to make sure that you can stay there. Um, uh-huh. And then, you know, we weren't able to take classes past about one o'clock in the afternoon because practice, we had film at like 1.30, and then, you know, we were lifted weights and everything, and then practice started about three thirty, four o'clock. We were done by six or seven, training table, then you gotta go down and go to study hall. And so it definitely packs in, at least in that fall semester. And then come springtime, uh, you obviously get a little bit more freedom, but we have, you know, 6 a.m. was, uh, w- was uh, you know, conditioning. Mm-hmm. We trained every morning, spring ball. So it definitely packs your day. And, you know, and then on top of it, you're expected to be a full-time student and compete with some of the smartest people on the planet. And so, There's definitely a give or take with that. And unfortunately, it's not as if the professors in the school cut you a break in any way. It's not like, hey, uh, you know, I'm pretty much working a full-time job. And here at school, can you cut me slack? And there was none to be cut. So I think as long as you have your priorities and you're pretty, um, uh, you know, organized and you have the desire. Because, like, I can't imagine just going out and playing football hoping that I can just be on the team to be associated with something uh that's not enough you have to want to go out there and play and be great and contribute because I would say that if you're just looking out there to try to do it so you can put it on your resume it's not going to be worth
0: it to wear the jersey you're you're not going to make it I would say if you can make it past your freshman year as a student athlete you put yourself in a great position to succeed for two three four maybe even five extra years um I, I also I had some later in life Division One friends for la, the sport of lacrosse, and they would tell me stories like Johns Hopkins, which is uh, essentially underground medical school, and t- in order to compete with that team, who's great, they're Division One but a Division Three academic school, they had to miss their pre med classes just to go to practice, just for the opportunity to play. Sure. So then, like changing your major based off yeah. your sport. Here's the other thing, and where you said, John, make sure you have your priorities in order. Can we help this kid with some things to think about? Carl mentioned, have your why. So that that would be my number one priority. Like, what other things do you feel would be a priority? Is it what are you studying? Like, what do you want to do with your life? Is that a factor as an 18-year-old wiener Man. kid?
1: I I think any 18-year-old kid that tells you they know exactly what they want to do in their life is... Wrong? Yeah, it, no, it I'm just, just no. kidding. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's just really hard at 18 years old to say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is the path I'm going to follow. Um, I think everybody should have a plan, but I think uh, you know some of the best plans have a little bit of flexibility. Um, I think going to a great college and going to the best one you can and hoping for a great experience is important. Uh, the one thing that athletics does, though, is it pulls you out of a ton of the social things. So, like, it, it's not, um, I, I think I only knew two guys that joined fraternities. Um, so, not that you know the fraternity system was huge at, at, at Berkeley; it was decent. But I know that there's other schools where fraternities are extremely important. Well, and, it, uh, uh, social is a
0: is a priority, sure. just but, not maybe not the specific that party line. Well, there's but, still social aspects. Well, there can, are
1: social aspects, but I do know a lot of guys that were in fraternities that after college ended up you know going and working, and that network mm-hmm. for for business was extremely important. So I just never. Yeah, it just didn't work for me. Uh, I was like, man, I'm already too busy with school, everything I'm trying to do to add something else into that. But I just remember there was a lot of uh, there were classes and there were things that I wanted to do that I wasn't able. I wasn't able to go study abroad. That was another mm. big one I wanted to do. Uh, like every one of like my friends who were non-athletes that I knew that got a chance to go study abroad had this like amazing experience, and uh, you know, learned to go speak the language. Went to Spain. Went to Italy. Um, you know, got to go to some really cool places and do some fun things. And that wasn't necessarily an option for us. So, uh, I can't say that, uh, I feel like I missed out cause I did get a chance to go play in the NFL for a, uh, you know, a hot minute. So, but I, I think that there's an opportunity when you're 18 to 22 years old, where you get to do things that only happen when you're 18 to 22 and like that experience, uh, is an incredible one. Um, I just had a conversation with a guy before this podcast, whose son is 18 and ended up joining the military and he got uh, designated as a fabricator welder. So he just got through boot camp, and then they sent him to 20 weeks uh, to some welding school to basically like learn to fabricate and weld and fix all this stuff. And this is what this kid wants to do and he wants to work in the military Mm -hmm. and then get out and get into the trades. Really interesting, uh, like, conventional, but a non-conventional approach. What's, uh, you know, like, you know, years ago that would have been, you know, kids either probably go to college or get into the trades. Now everybody wants to go to college. And, you know, this kid will be making 50 bucks an hour and doing really well in a couple of years. And there'll be a kids over there saddled with $300,000 in debt because they wanted a, you know, liberal arts degree in art history, which doesn't necessarily apply in the real world. So I think if you're gonna select a major and pick a path, select something that allows you to have some form of longevity after college. Like for me personally, uh, being a rhetoric major was excellent because it was kind of a pre-law, but also it taught me to read and write to the best of my ability. So um, having a major that allows you to have success after college I think is important.
0: Carl, what you study?
1: Yeah, so I was a double major. I
2: had um, a human resource management degree, and then I had a small business entrepreneurship degree. So Boom. same thing, kind of like <laughs> we talk about like, yeah, huh, I'm going to use that. Shocker, shocker. But um, being 18 year old and trying to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life, it's it's hard. Uh, um, so I kind of just, what John's talking about went in, I was like, well, I guess I'll get a business degree. That's that's pretty applicable to a lot of things and kind of take it from there. And then along the way is when I discovered strength training a bit more and really like that passion, and unfortunate school I was going to didn't have a kinesiology program, so it's like, well, may I may open my own gym someday. So that's where I went with the uh, small business route, and then a backup plan was, well, it's only four more classes to get an HR degree, so let's just throw that on there.
0: It's perfect. Did uh, did you have a student advisor? Did they help guide and craft where you felt this way, and they said, hey, how about this?
2: Yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a good student advisor who um, took me through what classes to take and also kind of gave me some guidance like, hey, like, I don't know if I get out into the real world and I have a small business degree, um, but nothing else, is that going to hold me back? She's like, well, it might. And the good news is for, I can't remember it's like four or six more classes, you can add another major to your, to your program and it just gives you more uh, value out there. And that way you're not quite vision as as much. So yeah, I was fortunate to have someone to give me that foresight.
0: Yeah. John, did you have a relationship with your advisor?
1: Um Yeah, I mean I, I did have a student advisor. Um,
0: you see, I don't I don't know how it works in yeah. the big schools. Like
1: Yeah, yeah. So I uh, we, we all had student advisors. Um, I thought the the chick who uh, was my advisor uh, it was kind of a pain in the ass a little bit and then I found out she was banging a couple dudes on the team which I remember was like man no wonder <laughs> I wasn't being as helpful or was she wasn't as interested in working with me she was you know banging a couple dudes on the football team so when I found out about that I was like god damn it those guys are probably getting way better treatment than I am Maybe. so uh, I I found uh, I found yeah like at the end of the day I think advisors are helpful um, you know, and I think, you know, having a good relationship with them. uh, my graduate school advisor, uh, Herb Simons was incredible. Um, you know, and he was the guy that actually, uh, told me, he's like, I don't want you to hand in your thesis. I want you to go play in the NFL and this is what I want you to write on. And then he ended up passing away. I think like a couple, like, uh, two or three years into my NFL career, he ended up passing away. I called up his assistant and was like, Hey, can I hand in my master's thesis? Cause, uh. You know this is what herb and i were working on and the guy basically told me uh we won't accept it now and so I, I i didn't i did all the work and didn't get to hand in my thesis and didn't get my and was not able to uh complete my master's because of that so in hindsight i should have been like no i'm not going to do that i'm going to write it today and hand it in instead of like you know he what he wanted was uh it written from like the point of view of a student athlete that went through and then got a chance to go play professional and then wanted the the thesis written in that in that way, and if he had stayed a lot or if he had not passed away suddenly, uh, that would have been an incredible project. But his assistant wasn't necessarily interested in that because when they asked me to come back and speak, uh, I got into it with a bunch of people that, that I was sat on a panel. and I got into it with a bunch of the audience, not realizing, you know, uh, coddling of the American mind and this idea of like. You know, we're in academia and sitting in this ivory tower. And I called this lady out and I told her to get the fuck out of her ivory tower. She doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about because she's not in the fucking real world. And, uh, and then at that point, now I look back and I'm like, well, that kind of fucked me over a little bit. Maybe. Well,
0: Well, I, I would advise and encourage this dude to begin a relationship with his advisor. Yeah. Because you're going to take advantage, like just assume or not realize that they are an outlet, an opportunity, a voice of reason sometimes that also have the solutions like the Carl's, for example, that say, yeah, all all you need is four extra classes to do this. Can get So they're aware of those opportunities, find out their name, who they are, and you never know it could come into, to play.
1: No, I I definitely think having an advisor, um, the thing I got a little wrapped around the axle with them was, um, like there were the recommendation of classes. So that was something that I got a little pissed with because they would recommend, hey, we heard here's an easy class or we heard that this one was good and whatnot. And uh, a lot of times it didn't, it never panned out like that. Uh, I got recommended to take this class, uh, it was called Astro 10. And uh, I remember my advisor being like, hey, this is a great class. It will fill your science, Astro 10. I'm like, so it's astronomy? She's like, well, yeah, but it's, uh, it's like introduction to astrophysics. And I'm like, I'm not an astrophysicist. Like, How am I going to get into this? And she's like, no, no, it's super easy. They give you the questions to the midterm and the final the very first day. And she's like, that should be easy enough to pass. Okay. Let me tell you, you take an astrophysics class that is so difficult that the very first day they give you the questions to the midterm and the final. That's a hard class because they have to basically give that to you. And uh, so I jumped in and... Uh, took that class, signed up the very first day. We got got one piece of paper that was the midterm questions. They had six and then there was a final, they gave you the final questions which were six and they said, hey, three of these questions will be on your midterm and three will be on your final. I suggest you start working on them now. And I worked on those for the entire semester, went to office hours every week, like put as much time and effort as I could and and then wrote it ahead of time, memorized it and wrote it down and I still think I got a B.
0: Okay, I got two questions based dude, off that, the, John.
1: Dude, the name of the course was Astro 10. Inter- yeah. Interstellar Dust.
0: I'm fucking out already. But, yeah, that's so,
1: fucking terrible. A terrible Carl, recommendation. Carl, did you
0: part. ever select a class and then based off the first day or two of class be like, oh, no, I'm out? Oh, man. I don't think I had any
2: classes that I end up like dropping, but there was definitely ones like that where you kind of get in day one and you're like, oh shit, what am I in for? I'm um, way so in over my fucking my head. Some my economics classes, I remember like day one uh, with this professor. Um, it, was his, it was his first job. He came from an Ivy League and it was like a level 300 economics class. And the, just the stuff that he was spewing off and going off about as far as just like different like things. And you could just see the entire thing. Class class of like just glazed over. And he's like, uh, you guys don't know any of this? And the entire class like shook their head no. And he's like, okay, so we're going to have to, luckily he had the worth to revise everything a bit and kind mm-hmm. of meet us where we're at and not just be like, well, hold on and hope you can make it through. Um, but mm-hmm. I remember taking an astronomy class um, and I was like, oh, it's astronomy, it's not too bad. You just, you don't realize the amount of math oh. involved
1: in that. Dude, uh, I, like, uh, the astrophysics, like, it, like I was so far in over my head. I remember thinking, like, oh, fuck. I'm, like, like there's no way. And uh, I ended up doing it, but it took a ton of work. Um, was there ever a class you, that you're like, I'm out. No way. This ain't for me. Uh, no, because I'm stupid like that. <laughs> and I just fucking, like, uh, econ, um, calculus, uh, some of those courses. Like I remember taking calculus, and uh, like I was like, I took this in high school. The calculus we're doing now, this isn't at all the same shit that we're do that we did in high school. I figured I was like, well, I already took calculus, I'll be fine. That was not the case. Um, the the academic advisors sometimes make some other bad decisions where you're on the other side of them. Uh, I took um, so obviously I was a rhetoric major, and uh, I took there were some couple classes where my professors would be like, hey, I'm teaching this dope class this summer, you're gonna love it. We did like a rhetoric of slapstick comedy where Mm -hmm. we got to watch movies and we had to write papers, like uh, create something within like some argument within it. Like, what are they trying to teach? Where does this fit within the genre? But understanding like the premise of like rhetorical writing and what they're looking for and their professors, we have experience. Like I took Will West class. I mean, all these professors that I had known, so for me it was an ace. But then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and the dumbass advisors would like recommend other athletes to take this course and be like, hey, there's this film course, you should take it. And then all of a sudden I'd see these other athletes and they'd be like, hey, what's going on with this course? And I'd be like, you guys are fucked. Because one, you guys don't understand rhetorical writing. You don't know what no. the professor's gonna no. look no. about. Yeah. You're, 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 no not looking, you're not watching some like it hot and looking for for the argument in it in the time period and what it's trying to do. I'm like, it's just not, it's like uh, you guys aren't trained within like the discourse and the legal, and like the writing style for this. So then uh, I would be like, Come on, I I got you guys. So then I would end up working with them and being like, here, this is how you want to approach it. This is the stuff. So I ended up mentoring other athletes that got put into bad situations where I was like, and then I'd go to the advisors. I'm like, why are you putting these people? This looks like a good course. And I'm like, dude, this is a terrible course. Like, this is a great course for me, but this is a terrible course for them. And then I would just help them. Yeah. So there were on numerous occasions. I told you- Get some uh, free drinks. Well, and and then I, I had to take some upper division education. Uh, courses to get into grad school for education, and so there were some really interesting ones. I think I told you the story about uh, Democratic Education, where I was able Maybe. to go in there and day one manipulate right. everybody into an. A. Oh yeah. So I went in there and I was like, uh, they like like the class gets to vote on the structure at which they're graded. Mm-hmm. And I dude I gave this. Um, I mean, the the speech reminds me of, you know, did we quit when the Germans burned uh, bombed Pearl Harbor?
0: He's on a roll. Yeah,
1: he's on a roll. Just let him go. And I was able to basically get everybody to vote the way I wanted, which was everybody gets an A. We want to truly understand what democratic education is by removing the confines and not saddling people with having to worry about grades. We want to understand this in its pure sense. Gave everybody an A, and I remember the teacher being like, no, and then they got rid of that course the next year. And the best thing <laughs> was a bunch of people had signed up for it thinking that they could do the same thing. Because, of course, I was like, fuck. hey, I, I got this great class. And everybody signed up. And then the next year, they totally changed it. And uh, everybody's like, fuck.
0: Yeah. The, the only class that I can remember right now that I switched out of, I can't remember exactly. But uh, it was a politics course. And I, I got lost on campus as small as my fucking campus was. I get lost. And then uh, I'm late the only seats like imagine the entrance doors on the left like this podcast room doors over here you're the professor and the only seat is the far back (laughs) way back in the corner so i have to walk in front like tiptoe in front of the professor and he stops his intro lecture and it's just like never in my x amount of years of teaching has anybody ever walked in front of me and like goes off on me and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna sit here, I'm getting the fuck out of this class. <laughs> yeah. There's no way I'm passing now. Yeah. So that was uh that was it. Politics, some form of politics. I was I was interested in DC, you get the get the energy. Sure. Um, but it, then just one one class and I'm fucking out. I don't want this guy to just hate. Um Well
1: what what happens with the advisors is they talk to students and like, hey, like how are your classes, which ones do you like? And then, based off of uh, you know the feedback from the students, then they'll recommend other students get into stuff. Mm. And uh, for me, like whenever they'd ask me about the rhetoric stuff, I'm like, it's great, I love it. I just get to read and write. You know, I got to read like you know twenty, thirty, forty books a semester. It's great. All I do is read and write. And uh, uh, they would, you know, obviously recommend like, oh, John said this was good. And then I'd see these other athletes show up, and I'd be like, dude, there's no way you're gonna do the volume of reading. Um, so I think uh, a big part of Division one academic advisors and student athletes is effectively helping them select a track that allows them the time necessary to be successful in their sport. So there's a lot of like navigation. But then, shit, then I'm watching like, uh, what was it that uh, the one kid that played for Baltimore, like, you know, during the season was like in med school mm-hmm. and didn't tell anybody. I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, at Berkeley, we couldn't have done that because we couldn't. All the labs were in the afternoon. I think
0: it was Hopkins, Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, some something like com- like I, I, like my head exploded, like thinking about not only how smart that kid is, but the amount of work that he must have done, and the and the amount of bending and wielding and dealing he must have done to make all that happen. So, upon seeing that, I was th- I was very very impressed.
0: Um, this is for both y'all. Did was there like a welcome to college moment, either for athletics or? academics where oh shit I got to get my shit together I got to grow up now
1: Um, for me I remember walking into one of my uh, like um, you know uh, lower division you know like the you know zero through ten classes you know like the big and it was in Wheeler Hall and it seats like 850 people and walking in and there's not a single seat available so like we finally find seats and then the professor starts And uh, he gets up there, is teaching, and I'm sitting there. I got like my notes, I'm ready. All of a sudden, these kids are pulling out cameras on tripods, like uh, telephoto lenses, and they're basically zooming in, taking pictures of his slides. And then, like, there were tape recorders all over the front of the stage. So these kids effectively were taping it, taking notes, and then taking pictures of all the slides. And I'm sitting there with like my pen and paper, and I was like, fuck, these (laughs) kids are like recording everything. Telephoto lenses, like it it was just like they weren't fucking around, and this was the very first day, right? And then I figured like, there's no way this dude. It just got worse because then everybody started bringing a camera. So then like the professor would like put up a slide, and then he would wait, and you hear like, you know, obviously because they're like not digital cameras. Yeah, they were like tele, you know, lens or uh, film clad. The turning one. (laughs) No, I mean they were like nice, you know, like telephoto. No, they're not DSLRs, but like nice. What do you what do you call those uh, uh, old cameras with the telephoto lenses? Telephoto, lenses? telephoto film lenses. Yeah, no, just film, film cameras, like film, film cameras. Just crazy they were doing
0: that because you got to develop
1: it. Yeah, and then they would go develop it, and then what they would do is they would put them on sheets wow. of paper, and then they would xerox them, and then they would hand them out as notes to like all their other like buddies. Make some money. Yeah, they make money, and nice. then there was and then there was another group called Black Lightning that was a actual company that would send people in to take notes and then you could get the Black Lightning notes, which was really cool. The problem was, I would go to class and then I would get the Black Lightning and then I'd be like, this fucking idiot wasn't paying attention. So there was a, a I just remember sitting in a class with 800 plus people and realizing when I saw like recorders and like not, I mean, you know, some people had like the bitchin' Like little like micro ones. Other people like straight up cassette recorders with like <laughs> Nice. Like nine, mind you this is nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Carl, did you have one?
2: Yeah, I'm just thinking back to like probably one of the first classes I took just getting this kind of day one stuff, go over civil syllabus and just like looking at the reading load that was expected in college compared to high school, we're having to read fifty to hundred pages uh, each time and then just the amount of the tests and the projects and just realizing like, this is definitely not high school and I'm gonna finish it together or I'm going to, to fail. I mean, cause I was an all right high school student I kind of did enough to get by, but now I'm in college. Um, one, I was paying for my college, so it's like, well, we gotta really make sure <laughs> I'm making the most out of this. But also, like I said, just, I think it was just the amount of workload that's expected in college compared to high school and it's just like, was astounding it's like oh and then i have four or five other classes that are probably in the exact same class load um so that was probably just, just the recognition of how much there is to
0: do yeah my, mine was history and similar questions set up for the test it was like an early test where they give you the questions and then you have to write your own answers but i had those and i just didn't prepare and got like a 30 on my first test and the teacher I uh, had to sit down with her and we just made a deal. If I make a B plus on the other remaining tests, however many with were, we'd forget about this one. So wow. she let, she gave me a fucking deal Dude, and it was nice. like, Oh shit.
1: Dude, the, um, I, I did, uh, I, you know, obviously you have talked about on this podcast. I have a tremendous fear of failure. So from day one, I was like, you know what? I have this great opportunity to be here. I'm going to prove to people that I should be here. So I put a ton of work and studied my ass off. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was also really fucking smart. Like, I think she was valed- we it was crazy. Uh, I didn't know her in high school. We had such a big high school. Uh, we ended up living near each other in the dorms. so then we started dating. But she was like one of our valedictorians in high school. She was fucking so smart. Uh, and I saw how hard she worked, and like the amount of like effort she put forth, and I was like, oh, this is what it takes to be a valedictorian and be real smart. So that was real impactful for me. Um, what,
0: what about athletics? Did y'all start football training practice before you had the opportunity to start classes?
1: Yes. So we were in training camp. We went in in August. So we went to training camp for, uh, whatever, like, well, in the NFL, it was like four to six weeks. We go to training camp, but I want to say like seven to 10 days you go to training camp. And then from there, we school started, thank God, because without school, the coaches fucking have you all fucking day. (laughs) And so we're like and I remember all the older guys like, oh, just wait for fucking school to start. I'm like, why? And they're like, Well, then we don't have to fucking do this for twenty four hours a day. So we had camp and then school started and then we were um we were obviously, you know, off site in the dorms uh for training camp and then we got a chance to move into our dorms, which was pretty cool. And I, I lived in this area called Clark Kerr, which is all these like little uh wasn't like a big apartment building. It was like little bungalows where all the athletes stayed. And um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was great, but I, I was always super nervous that like, you know, the, uh, the Scooby-Doo, where they're like, old man Sanders, and like pull the mask off because he's an imposter. Like I was always waiting for the Scooby-Doo moment when they were like, come with us, you're not supposed to be here. And I just went in and busted my ass. And it wasn't, like my first taste of failure in college wasn't until my third year when I tore my ACL in um, like the 10th game of the season which was in, uh, like, early November. So I tore my ACL, and then I had, uh, I think I told you, I went in to get my knee scoped, Mm -hmm. woke up, and my knee was in a CPM, and they had done my ACL. So they went in, yeah, you tore cartilage, but I was missing an ACL. So they just did the surgery, and I hadn't prepared. Like, if I knew they were going to do an ACL, uh, I would have gone into my professor's, and been like, hey, I'm getting my ACL reconstructed. I'm going to be off my feet for three or four weeks. Like, there's no way. Can I take my finals early? Can I postpone? Can I do something? Um, but I thought I was just going to be scoped and be fine walking around and be out in a couple weeks. All of a sudden, I wake up and I'm in the CPM, uh, and I've had an ACL and completely unprepared for, you know, obviously finals coming because we uh, they did it over Thanksgiving, and then finals start, like, within two weeks. So... I was fucked, like because like you know, dude, I couldn't walk around. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like crutching around trying to get to class, uh, you know, trying to do rehab and that. And I ended up, like, I think I got C's all across the board. So on the three uh, three big classes I had that year, I ended up, I think I got a C plus, a C, and like maybe like a C minus, which sucked because up into that point I was like a three six GPA. Those three classes, which were up, which were. Uh, um, four unit courses I got seasoned and then that pulled my GPA down to like a 3.2 and uh, I ended up having to fight back out of the cellar on that one. But I remember if like you just basically took those out of my average, uh, I would add a a 3.6 at an A average, which would would have been nice in college. Yeah, it's crazy
2: how a few grades just completely ruin that GPA. It doesn't take much.
1: No, like it. Well, the the thing people forget is like like let's say you have a three two and you get an A, it only brings you up a little bit. But if all of a sudden you were to get like a C or a D, all of a sudden it just pulls you down to where it's almost like there should be a, a GPA uh, average class. Well, uh, figure this out. They should do like, <laughs> hey, we're gonna throw out your A plus, we're gonna throw out your C. Like we'll throw out the top and the bottom. We'll just give you kind of like we do when we do the oh, yeah. uh, lactic acid threshold test. We throw yeah. out the top and the bottom. But uh, that that fucking year, man, that um, dude, that that hammered me, and that was in my third year. So what screwed me is because then I grad, and then, uh, yeah, that was my, yeah, that would have been my third year, my redshirt sophomore year, and then I graduated the next year in my fourth year, and then my fifth year I did my master's work, so it's like I'm in my third year of college and all of a sudden get three C's. So that next year, I mean, it was just like, I I ended up crushing it the next year, but it wasn't enough to bring me back up to that three six. So that was a a shitty deal.
0: Uh, Athletically, I was... Sharon, just before, uh, our pre-team meeting, maybe two weeks in. So we got to play like scrimmage, just captain's practices before, but then formal team meetings two weeks into school for a spring sport. And assistant coach asked us to bring in our workout cards that they had mailed us over the summer. I was nervous as all hell with that, filled them all, like actually did all the workouts. So all of mine were filled out, sets, reps, weights, and all that good stuff. I'm the only fucking kid that turns them in. (laughs) The whole team, freshman, sophomore, senior, all the way. Only fucking kid. So I turned that in and thinking, like, oh shit. Like, I was the opposite of hard work. Like, I overworked because in our captain's practices, I was getting my fucking ass whooped. And so I was the only person doing work and I still Still was struggling (laughs) to keep up. They were like, this kid must be lying. Uh, that, that, I think that was the assistant, like I recall me handing it over and the look on his face, like he probably thought I was lying. But then, I mean, like through training and hard work, he realized, yeah, that was done. However, there's a few things we got to work on, pal. Um, <laughs> yeah. but just some, and then our first game, first game ever was against Salisbury state who's Ooh. won.
1: I mean, are you a big Salisbury state fan?
0: Well, those guys, the, uh, well Dude, they, it, they win the state championship. Is, in, is that
1: their pregame meal?
0: No dude I, I appreciate the school they, they win the national championship they either play or win it every single year
1: Salisbury State where' it? Salisbury
0: that? it's in uh, around Ocean City Maryland so they're okay. on the beach but they get D1 dropouts to go play they get injured kids plus recruit some of the top D3 guys. the I loved playing there and they played the Darth Vader like walkout song when they would take the field for their, their warm up And then the locker room goes underneath a ha- a highway or some major road within the school. So like you get your, your gear on, you tape up and then you're walking through it pregame. They're all waiting at the end of the hallway, uh, the like highway level and just shouting in. So you're walking, I mean half a mile through this hallway. And then just at the end, you hear this, just hooting and hollering, shouting, and all this fun stuff. So it was fun to play them, but then you just get your fucking dicks kicked in and lose by 20 goals. <laughs> but um, and that was the first game.
1: Dude, uh, I, man, there there were so many funny things. Like, um, so Ber- Berkeley's a lot of hills. Yeah. And so I had, uh, um, dude, I had purchased a mountain bike, and I used to mountain bike a lot in high school. And, like, you know, we used to hit trails, and there was a lot of trails in Palos Verdes. So, mountain biking was always something I had done, and we used to go to the beach. And like, it, so I had a pretty cool mountain bike. And so, when I went to college, I took my mountain bike and I said, I'm not going to get a bike lock because I'm just going to take my bike everywhere I go. So, I would go into classes, I would bring my bike. Like, I did not because, uh, you know, it's kind of a um, notorious dude. Like, everybody's bike gets stolen. Like, mm-hmm. there's fucking thieves and homeless people that, like, l- you know, make their entire living for that year off of stealing new kids' bikes. So I was like, fuck it, I'm not bringing my bike. We had a, um, the suites we lived in had a common room. So we would just like bring our bikes inside. So um, I ride home, uh, you know, go into our common room, which was like, you know, there was you know shared bathroom. There were two rooms and then there was this common room and there was a door and whatever. So I come in, I, I drop my bike, I go in my, uh, in my room. Like uh, we were getting ready to go to practice and I hear the door open and the door slam. And so I was waiting for my roommate. We were gonna to go to practice, and he doesn't come in the room. So I go look, and all of a sudden I see this homeless dude riding my bike. The fuck? He fucking jumped through our our the like one of the windows was cracked, pried it open, jumped in, fucking took my bike, and rode out the front door. And we fucking chased the dude. And he fucking took off, like uh like flew off. So then I'm like, I, I was fucking beside myself. So then, like a week later. All of a sudden, one of our, uh, uh, like, one of our buddies calls us and is like, hey, because uh, I told everybody, I was like, hey, this guy fucking stole my bike. This is what he looked like. So about a week later, I get a phone call. Hey, uh, that dude's trying to steal a bike, like, in, like, the next, you know, like, uh, like, where our bungalow was, like, a couple down. So we go down there, and the dude's got, like, this, like, bike, like, this, it, it almost looks like um like a... Um, uh, like something you'd steal out of a car, like to like fix a tire, like a like a little jack. He's got like a floor jack, like a little by bi- uh, or a bottle jack. I'm sorry. And what they would do is they put the bottle jack in between like the U bolts and then mm-hmm. pop it out. So we go down there and he's like trying to wire it, and we come around the corner and I'm like, "Motherfucker, you stole my fucking bike!" And the dude like turns and sees us, and he, it. he has this like metal rod that he's using. So he like picks the metal rod up and swings it at us, and we take off. That dude literally fucking like took off like a shot and we couldn't catch him. Like t- took off well, like a shot. Well, he's
0: such great shape from stealing all those bikes. Uh, dude, yeah. he was,
1: uh, we, we always joked that like uh, the, the homeless people at Berkeley could easily win the fucking four by four, uh, 400 meter run in the Olympics. <laughs> but then there was an area in Berkeley called um, um, uh, down off of Shattuck, uh, where the Shattuck Bart was and they used to have a swap meet down there every weekend and those guys used to go there to sell bikes. So we went down there like every weekend looking for my bike. And I never got it back. And I'm still to this day fucking mad that they'd steal my... I mean, literally, the balls of that dude to jump into our suite and steal shit. And the police didn't give a fuck. Like, we were like called the nah. police. And they're like, eh, ah, Campus police. You no, know, I mean, uh, the it. Berkeley PD. Uh, the oh, The campus formal. police. Yeah, we called everybody. And you, you know what they said? Everybody gets their bike stolen the first week. Taste it. And, we, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, basically, fuck you. So yeah, that was, uh, so then I ended up, uh, getting another bike, which was not nearly as cool. And at that point I was like, fuck this, I'm not riding this thing anymore. And I just walked. Uh,
0: I just remembered something, Carl, did you have entry exams, like show up to school, you take these online entry exams and then they decide like your base level classes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we had the similar thing for my school and one of my best friends, he uh, he just fucking basically blew it off. It was just like, eh, fuck this. And like click through it all the way. <laughs> it's just like, uh, I, I want to go drink or right? I got better things to do. So just fucking blew blew through them all so he could finish it and then go about it. And then his placement, he got into remedial English, remedial math, <laughs> just like the base level, spell your own name English, uh, base level math. And so we're all in like, English 101 and writing and all these basic things we're like oh man this sucks and he's like yeah Fuck you guys. I don't have to worry about that. And then they take like field trips and stuff to science museums <laughs> It's like this <laughs> remedial kids class and then all of what, a sudden college. Yeah
1: How do, how do you get into college if you're remedial? I don't know. He was this he was an athlete so then he oh, essentially so-
0: then the second semester the fucking ball drops for him because he passed and he's got to enter the 101, and we're all like, ah, "Fuck you, taste it." And he's complaining, and but he's suffering solo through it, rather than like leaning on each other through that. And it's just like you fucking dumbass.
1: Uh, dude, we had uh, we we had student advisors, and then we also had um, like a study hall where we had to go meet with like uh, tutors. And that was um, pretty interesting, like just for the fact that like you know um, you know for all my rhetoric stuff and for everything, like I, dude. Uh, it, it was good, um, just because you would have somebody to work with a little bit. and like, But for the most part, uh, the girl I dated was so smart that I was like, fuck, she's smarter than these tutors. But the one thing that the tutors uh, told me is they were like, hey, um, your professor's gonna give office hours. So they're, they're always gonna, like it's part of the deal. So I don't know if this is like that at other schools, but uh, they would always list office hours. And the funny part about Berkeley, which is, is it still makes me laugh, is there's all these really obscure coffee places. Like with like two seats in it. And so these professors would pick the most fucking obscure coffee places to be like, Hey, I'm having office hours from 1113 to (laughs) 1117 at, uh, you know, uh, you know, Joe gangrene's coffee or something or like, you know, uh, um, you know, revolution, like all these obscure places that I'd never heard of. There was no Google. Like there was nothing. So then you would just be like, have to ask people and be like, hey, where is it? And the professor wouldn't tell you where it is. You'd be like, hey, is there an address for that? He's like, well, no, you need to find it. So there was always this hilarious game of trying to figure out where these professors were based off of these really obscure coffee spots. Or they would have their office hours maybe at, at like their, their offices. But they would give you these really funny time domains of like, it's only, you know, I'm going to have to office hours for like seven minutes. So it's kind of like the Indiana Jones movie where he like shows up and there's all those people in his office and he goes out the window. Mm-hmm. That was pretty accurate for Berkeley. But the, the stu- the, I remember my tutor my freshman year was like, seriously, I know this sounds like being a kiss-ass, but you have so many people that if you don't go to office hours, your professor won't know who you are. Yeah. So if you run into problems or there's something, you're not going to have a relationship and he's going to tell you to go fuck yourself. So I would go to office hours And meet him and just be like, uh, I remember the first one I went to. He's like, okay, why are you here? I'm like, I just figured I would come meet you. And he was like, kind of like shook. He's like, well, you have any questions? I'm like, not really. Just wanted you to know who I am. And they recommended that I come to office hours. And so I would go every week, uh, you know, whenever I could and ended up developing really good relationships. So much so that, you know, I mean, 20 years later, we still got Stephen G. Miller on the podcast Mm -hmm. because I went to his office hours and had a relationship with him. So I think if uh, anybody, Who's you know sending kids off to college, uh, you know, have them go to office hours. I know it seems like an ass kiss, but now they probably have Zoom and there's so many other ways to do it. But I just remember this like whack-a-mole game of trying to figure out these professors' obscure coffee places in Berkeley was hilarious. And I didn't drink coffee at the time, which was even better because then I'd have to go to these places and be like, oh. like I didn't know any of these fucking spots. Yeah,
0: I mean, to de- develop a relationship, that's key. I can't imagine going to a C school like that. No way.
1: Like, oh, yeah, I mean, C of people. 30,000. No. Wow. Yeah, it was great.
0: Yeah. Well, and man, I, I imagine this, this young 18 year old, he, he gets the sweatshirt, gets the swag at the gear, and rock, walking around like he's hot shit. I know you had some conflict, John, of being a at- student athlete. Yeah. So, like, uh, be yes. wary of who, where you rock that sweatshirt.
1: <laughs> you know what? Uh, um, I know Pedro Neguera, who was my prefer- I, and I, I remember him vividly, was my uh, taught Education 40, which was one of the, the first classes I took at Berkeley as a freshman. And I remember talking to him, going to his office hours. Uh, I know he's got a website, and I know he does a bunch of public speaking. He'd be good. We should reach out to him and okay. see him, and be like, hey, professor, I know you're not going to remember me. But, you, but I took your class 20 Maybe. plus years ago. We have this podcast called Power at Radio where we talk about strength and conditioning. It'd be great to have you come on. And he's going to be like, what the fuck? But uh, he was great. Um, I remember him, you know, uh, dispelling a lot of myths that were propagated within an institution like Berkeley. And I remember his thing of like, hey, don't wear your football gear to school, you know. Uh, and I, I wore glasses and he's like, good, dress up a little bit. You know, don't. Don't lean on that because what's going to happen, the farther you get, the more negatively it's going to negatively affect you. Just because there was a lot of like, well, these fucking athletes, you know, I earned my place here. These kids just got in. So,
0: yeah, the we we were recommended not to wear our gear as well to class. But then teammates would say, hey, I took Professor Fitzgerald. Go and introduce yourself. And then we would lean on each other's good reputations to then aim to get away from the bad that is represented with the school because we were always first to blame with conflict, which was a good call for the most part.
1: Um, one of the, my, my most favorite parts about Berkeley, if we're going to go down memory lane, is this area. We're way down it. Yeah, is this area called Sproul Hall. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's ever been to Berkeley, like the student union, everything is uh, you know, the upper Sproul, lower Sproul, but Sproul Hall is like the center. Whenever you see the pictures of Berkeley, you'll see Sather Gate which is like the, like the gate that everything goes through. But like, that's where everything happens is uh, Sproul Hall. And I used to get my lunch. I would go over and get lunch, and I would go back and I would sit and watch the crazies fucking battle. So there was all these lunatics and just absolute nutcase people. like Just like people that need to be in a, in a sale asylum, but they end up at Berkeley, and they would just absolutely fucking go apeshit every single day in Sproul Hall arguing with each other so there was one guy who would have like a sign that like you know God is coming time to repent and then there was all these other people that were against him and this and there was a guy called Hate Man and there was all these like interesting personalities this guy used to just stand on a, on a uh, um, milk crate and just scream hateful things at people and then people would argue with them, and then they would battle he should
0: have been a comedian uh,
1: dude it was yeah. uh, like like the the strange crazy ass people that are attracted to Berkeley that end up going there and becoming like something, it, it was hysterical. Like we used to just sit and watch and watch like the the homeless people battle and fight and this and conflict. And uh, it was like the world's best entertainment. Uh, every day at lunch, I'd be like, just grab Ooh. popcorn, I'm, I'm, grab I'm a like, beer. <laughs> dude, I, I, I'd be like, I'm, I'm going to go get my, uh, my tuna on uh, whole wheat. I'm going to get my sandwich. I'm going to get some chips. I'm going to get a drink. And I'm going to sit down here for about 45 minutes and watch the crazies just get really rowdy. It was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: Let's sum it up for our young student-athlete entering his freshman year of college. All right. So aligning priorities. Find your why. Why are you playing? If it's only the jersey, it's not going to get you very far. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, s- establish a social network. It doesn't have to be in line with you know, uh, fraternities or partying. There still can be within... Find your clicks. All of us here have pal, lifelong fa- pals from that time, and it was it was awesome. So find a social click, or not a click, you know, fucking pals. That's all yeah, I'm saying. You gotta find friends. Find friends. Uh, create a relationship with your advisor or your professors. Yes. They've they've been through it, and they're there looking out the for the best of seeing you succeed. Yeah. So find some connection there, and then. Uh, begin to plant the seeds for a path post-college. Yep. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to study? Also, the networking within there. Does your athletics team provide awesome internship opportunities during the summer offseason? Or is there other guys that are, are lined up with great careers that have been in your position that you can then reach out with? So lean on that that sport team network within there. A lot of those people have careers that could end up benefiting you.
1: And the last one is, don't feel that you have to drink every beer.
0: I don't understand, but well, go on. I
1: think as a freshman in college, you go out and you have this little bit of freedom. And I had friends that would go out, and I think that they thought they had to drink every single drink in the house. So I remember uh, one of the older guys was being like, pacing is the key to college. Pace yourself. Because I, I, you know, I remember, uh, like, and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we're studying with friends, with uh, with drinking, with partying, with everything, like you're gonna see people get to a lot of extremes. Pace yourself. Like remember, you don't have to drink every drink, you don't have to read every book, you don't have to fucking ace every class, like you're trying to like, you know, do the best you can with as much, and uh, you know, pace yourself. And I always thought that that was a good thing, um, you know, especially like, you know, like, uh, you know, you go out to a bar, it's like I don't have to get fucking obliterated before last call, don't worry, there's good bars gonna be open again tomorrow. Um, you know, hey, like I read as much as I could tonight. I'm still going to have time to read tomorrow. So I think a lot of times there's this expiration date or you feel that like you have to go out. And I just remember that old dude being like, pace yourself.
0: But that makes complete sense. It, uh, like I said, I would coach college following playing and saw a lot of kids that after freshman or sophomore, that was it. They they got sucked into the things that took away from ac- academic and athletic success. Yeah. You don't have to. Well, yeah, just and still yourself. have a good time. Yeah, like right. you don't
1: like uh, I you know I had friends that got sucked into fraternities and they basically just drank themselves out of college. Like I was like fuck. Like uh, I had a, one of my buddies Jimmy Saunders who I played high school football with. He went to Berkeley. Um, Jimmy became like like got in big in the frat, and I remember he had to stop drinking because he had uh, fucked up his liver so bad. That I remember, like seeing him later on. I'm like, "How you doing?" He was looking kind of jaundiced. He's like, "Dude, I'm having liver problems. I drink so." He's <laughs> looking like, kind of jaundiced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was kind of yellow, and he's like, "I'm actually having liver issues." Uh, I was like, "Why?" He's like, ah, I, "Like," and he even joked, "He's like, I thought I had to drink every drink every night." He's like, "We got absolutely fucking obliterated for years, and I paid the price for it." So I think just having some pacing, realizing like. You know, like, uh, but I mean, maybe that comes with age, but I just remember that, um, well, that's the old bull, bull. the old bull. You got to pace yourself. It's better to walk down there and sprint down there. So I think a little bit of pacing and realize you're there for four years. So you don't have to do everything your freshman year. You don't have to, you know, go everything, but just pace yourself and realize that like, you know, if you want to peak, peak a little bit later, not so early.
0: Boom. Any last thoughts, Carl.
1: No, I think coming back to like
2: we talk about priorities and just making sure you know what they are for you and just examine where you're spending your time and does it match your priorities or is it different? And then you need to re examine what your priorities are if that's the case or your actions. Just make sure that they, they match what you lay out as your priorities.
0: Boom. And I encourage you. Keep us posted. After this semester, go ahead and call the hotline. And what number is that, John?
1: 929-464-464. Zero. four six four zero. Nine two nine ing ing
0: zero. Let us know how you did and your priority alignment, and if you were able to start. Let's
1: let's hear it. All cool. right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. Bye bye. bye.
0: Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you'd like to break a mental sweat too, visit
2: academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!